your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solo. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. The guy just said 608-785-7914. I should turn that on. I should turn on the talk and text line. We want to get in here. Now's a good time to do it. I got a couple of minutes before I bring on Ariana Sirincioni. She's uh, a veteran. She works for the Cooley Recovery Center. She does some veteran programs over there. We're going to talk about some veteran issues, uh, especially with the Afghanistan pullout and the refugees at Fort McCoy. I think last count where there were like 12,800 at Fort McCoy. But maybe some of those numbers are going down because some of those evacuees, refugees are moving, moving out. But I don't know. Maybe the numbers are going up. I I couldn't tell you, but she's she's got some... uh, she wants to talk about that a little bit and just some of the stuff that the Cooley Recovery Center is doing for to help out veterans. And they've got a pretty big event happening on Saturday, too, as well, that, that we could talk about. Um, I did see, uh, before we get into that, though, I, I did see a kind of a, a weird... So there's a couple of, of lacrosse Facebook groups that are that are fun to, to fun to follow. Sometimes they're, sometimes like all Facebook groups, sometimes they're a little bit annoying. Or just like eye rolling, and this one was kind of eye rolling. But somebody posted, and I only bring it up because when Mitch Reynolds was the host of this show, we did—I'm pretty sure we did two weeks, maybe maybe a week, but me—I'm pretty sure we did about two consecutive weeks of Lozy Boulevard speed limit talk. When they tried to change, or they did—they did change the speed limit. And I can't remember if they changed it from 35 to 25 or from 30 to 25. I'm sure I'll get 7,000 texts. Uh, giving me the correct answer there because everybody that lives in the cross knows all too well what Losey Boulevard used to be and what it is now. But somebody somebody just posted on this uh, lacrosse. It's uh, it's a fun page to follow. Lacrosse County stupid drivers, stupid parking, and traffic updates. Uh, sometimes it's actually really helpful if you believe it or not. The, all of a sudden, there's a car on fire in a parking lot uh, at the mall, and you're like, oh. Might be something to look into as a news organization. <laughs> but uh, somebody posted, if you drive under 30 on Losey, you shouldn't have a license because you are senile. Under 30 on Losey. And I was just kind of confused. I'm like, if you're driving under 30 on Losey, you're going the speed limit, <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong there? Am I, is, it, is it not Losey Boulevard that is 25 now? Um. So just promoting, just and and it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. That was the comment, right? It was it was that under that there were a hundred and this was yet this was early this morning and under that there were a hundred ninety two comments. A hundred ninety two people decided to speak their mind. Oh, I got it now. There's two hundred and thirty one comments on this at this point. Two hundred thirty one people have posted on Adams. If you're driving under 30 on those you're senile. I'm just like, and I haven't read. I literally, I've literally read zero comments, but there are 231 now. So feel free if you're part of that Facebook group to go flood the comments section. Uh, I'm sure you'll get lost in the shuffle like uh, any any Facebook post you see that is is out there. <laughs> I mean, this isn't even out there. It's just kind of a weird. Uh, and he ends it. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Like because I don't know. 
Uh, but I couldn't believe there's, and I still can't, there was a, there's 230 comments on this thing and just all kinds of, there's 241 people that have, um, liked it or, 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 you know, hit the like button or the mean button or whatever, whatever you want to call that button. Now it used to just be a like button. Um, but yeah, Losey Boulevard, the, the idea here, you know, if you don't remember, we, we changed the speed limit on Losey Boulevard because the trucks driving on that, that road were going too fast the trucks were going too fast, and they were bouncing too hard, ruining the foundations on Losey. But we've since fixed Losey Boulevard, so you would think, logically, we could increase the speed limit back to 30 or 35 uh, because the trucks won't be bouncing as much. The roads will be smooth. We should just adjust speed limits based on uh, how close it is to fixing the roads, right, number three? I drive 25 miles an hour, just an old guy like me, and my wife says, I'm holding up traffic. Yeah, you're apparently senile if you're on Losey under 30. So, I mean, That's we right. could argue about that. Try to be an honest citizen and obey the laws, and then the people get mad at me. Yeah, it is hard to drive 25 on Losey, though. I will admit, it's a little difficult, but uh, it is a highly residential area, and there's kind of a lot of stop and goes there, too. So it's not like you can even get going any, in any way, shape, or form. Well, they got the same problem on south avenue you know but they're going to spend about 15 million dollars with three roundabouts to slow the idiots down well i'm all for i'm all for those roundabouts i'm sick of stopping on every one of those stoplights <laughs> i hate those stoplights well they're just big people stop well i mean yeah but but unnecessarily, especially in the middle of the night, I think they might be turned off in the middle of the night. But like the the, the, the idea that I have to stop at every one of those stupid stoplights on the south side of La Crosse pisses me off. You know, I told Rob Abraham years ago to put a cop down here by the A&W, rip your stand on South Avenue, the OK Corral. Yeah, we don't need a cop there. We just need a cardboard cutout of a of like an old police car, maybe the, the one from Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, well, he put the cop car. He had two cops down there one night. I called Mitch and said they picked up three guys in a half an hour for speed. Right. Right. Then they put a cop car down there, but they didn't have a cop in it. Then everybody knew that. So then I called up and told them to move the car. Yeah. Then they moved the car and slowed up traffic. And then they took the old cop car away. Yeah. So now we're going to spend millions of dollars to slow up the traffic. Well, it's not even the thanks for the call. I gotta let you go because I gotta get right. I gotta get to Down the news. Four. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, but it's it's not not even really to slow up the traffic is the the roundabouts. Maybe they maybe it is a little bit, but the roundabouts are just going to alleviate the the uh, people's having to stop at all the stoplights. I think one of those intersections is six ways. Right, one of those it's the stupid stoplights, and then there's there's just and you just wait forever. So I'm all for the roundabouts on that road because then I don't have to stop. At them stupid lights. Uh, all right, rant over. Rant over. I just had a rant about this. If <laughs> you drive 130, 231 comments. Again, if you're on Facebook and you want to, this is a pretty fun group to follow sometimes. And other times, very eye-rolling. This isn't even that bad of an eye-rolling. A lot of times, it's just people parked in the Walmart parking lot or, or another parking lot uh, just on the yellow line because it is about just stupid parking. And uh, they, they want to call out the people that, that park on the yellow line instead of perfectly in the slot. Uh, and that's that's always the, one of the funny ones. Um, I one time I've been on there for a bad parking job. All right, we'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you got a text, you got to text me six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. 
That's the talking text line. Aaron Sirencioni is on with me now. She was an active duty Air Force veteran from 2005 to 2018. So just a couple of years, Ariana. Um, did I say Aaron? I'm sorry. Ariana Sirencioni. I was so... <laughs> I was so worried about your last name that I just I skipped your first name, half your first name. Um, but you're you're an Air Force veteran. And you just got out three years ago, it looks like. Um, and you work at the Cooley Recovery Center as, uh, let's see, I got it. I got it somewhere. Veterans Program Coordinator there at the Cooley Recovery Center. And you guys are having an event on Saturday. And I want to get to that a little bit. But... Um, and it, and it's called Operation Deal and Heal. And it, it, I would say the event a little stems a little bit from what we just did pulling out of Afghanistan. Would you say that the, this is kind of inspired from that? Yeah, definitely. I think that our military past and present, they're having some feelings about things, and we recognize that there's a need to be able to talk about it. So we came up with this get-together, Operation Deal and Heal. What What is the biggest issue with... I, I, maybe not. I, I don't know. You want to go to the biggest issue, or do you want to just go issue to issue? What's What's the biggest issue? I guess with uh, Afghanistan veterans that have you know been been over there. We've been over there twenty years, so there's going to be a whole slew of, of veterans, whether it was twenty years ago or eighteen years ago or two years ago that that were over there. What's the biggest issue with veterans as the United States has pulled out of Afghanistan? I can't speak on what the biggest issue is based on individual perspective, uh, but from my role at Tactical Recovery and hearing other veterans just within the community, both uh, individuals currently serving and even going back to Vietnam veterans, because I don't want to leave those guys out, um, that a lot of guys and girls are feeling like their efforts were for nothing. Um, and while I don't have that opinion, I don't, I don't agree with it as an Afghanistan veteran myself, you know, I can't help but admit that when I watched the events unfold and saw the Taliban take over as quickly as they did and the manner and how everything was done, I couldn't stop but say, like, wow, you know, what What was it for? What was it worth? Knowing that I had friends, brothers and sisters in arms who were killed um, or lost limbs over, you know, being over there for so long and, and the amount of trauma that our guys are carrying back, um, you know, I couldn't help but question it. And so I think that that's one of the biggest hurdles that we're facing right now in the, the military community is to be able to recognize that, you know, there was positive contribution and there were positive things that came from it um, and being able to step back and reflect. But it's hard to do that when you've literally lost people that you love to war. Yeah, and you've, and you've seen this. You're talking about Afghanistan veterans, but also... Vietnam veterans have felt the same thing, and this is something you've experienced as you're, you know, as a veteran yourself, probably talking to other veterans and a little bit at the Cooley. I think you've been there a year at the Cooley Recovery Center, uh, so you've probably heard some of the stuff, same stuff, right, from both both Afghanistan and Vietnam veterans. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know, um, the Vietnam veterans. I, what I what I love to watch from them is their to see their support and how much encouragement that they're giving to the veterans of today, if you will, because a lot of these guys have not, have never spoken up or waited years, 40-plus years, to express themselves and find a safe place where, where they felt that they could talk about it. And the encouragement that they're getting, they're saying, okay, we, we recognize that your feelings are valid, um, but talk about it now. Don't wait. Don't, don't put your life on hold. Come forward. Talk about these things. Um, and get the help that you need 
it's, it's easier said than done for a lot of people. But yeah, I'm seeing a lot of encouragement. But I'm also seeing then at the same time, they, they're recognizing that a lot of this stuff is triggering for them and they're experiencing emotionally uh, some of the things that they felt uh, when they were withdrawn from Vietnam and the state of the country after their withdrawal and, you know, coming back to America as it was then and, and just seeing kind of where our climate is today. There's a lot of connections that are being made and... Um, I think the important thing to just is to highlight is that our communication is there now. Have um, we, people are having having that, yeah. I would say the you you tell me because and you're a woman in the military, so you you might have experienced this in a different way. But the the mentality, I think, the the thought of veterans when when they're in the army, navy, whatever, is that they got to be tough, the tough guy mentality. And when they come back and they have you know, they have these problems or they have these issues, they have the, 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 the emotions, they need to talk these out with somebody. But the tough guy mentality, I would say, and you can tell me if I'm totally wrong, is to just hold this stuff in. I'm too tough to talk about this. Is that, is that, is that at all correct? Yeah, you know, you're right. Okay, we go to basic training and we take on a whole new culture of what is the military and what does it mean? And, you know, I gave an example earlier today, but it, it's so fitting that in the Air Force, as an Air Force vet, you know, our, one of our core values is service before self. And you really you really sit with that. And, I mean, it's embedded. You're like, what does that mean, service before self? So we think that if we go to war, we put our families aside, we go to war, we, we, we fight our mission, and then we come back and we're thinking, okay, service before self. I need to go back to work. I need to do my job so I'm not letting anybody else pick up the slack for me. Like, I have to be present and do this because it's one of my core values. And there needs to be a, a shift in that mind frame because if you're not up to par yourself and you're not able to help the mission and, and put that service before yourself, um, but, but there is a long time um, that that will probably change, but it needs to. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we have the mentality that we just got to be tough. we gotta, we got to tough it out. I mean, conditions are rough, but we just got to do it. I would say that uh, in today's climate and military, or at least it was when I was leaving the service three years ago, is that people were more likely to come forward than they were when I joined in 2005 with any uh, problems with mental health or, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD. Um, I think the stigma is reducing, but it's absolutely still there. People are still going to feel like they can't come forward because they're going to lose their careers. Think about it. I mean, people join the service. A lot of them, they're like, "I'm going to make. I'm going to be a lifer. I'm going to be in for 20 years. That's my goal." They deployed in Afghanistan, for example. They experience convoys. They lose their best friend. They come back. They're having PTSD symptoms. They're withdrawn and isolated, um, but they're still picking up their weapon, probably, and going to work because they got to do it. Because they're thinking, if I go to mental health. If I say that I need help, then I'm going to get discharged. And then you think about an NCO, non-commissioned officer, who may have a family that they're supporting. They're going to be fearful that if they come forward and talk about their mental health, that they're going to lose their job and get kicked out, and then now they can't provide for their families. Um, I, I can't say what's changed over the last three years, but I know that that was still, sure. still a battle that people were fighting. But the important part here is that while that's happening, it's still that, hey, you can, you can recover from trauma. You can heal from trauma. You, that's, it's normal. We, we, we lose people. We grieve. We have to process it. Um, while war isn't necessarily normal, it is for military. 
Um, so you go through something, you can process it, and your brain can literally heal and, and, and get back to normal functioning. Um, but people have to take the first step, and we have to have people in leadership positions um, at all levels that are saying, hey, I see you, I want you to get better, and here's your time, and not to have any retributions for those actions and actually helping our people. It's almost, you know, that was a really long answer. You're no, that's all right. <laughs> it's almost like that if you you've, if you ever the, the drowning mentality or the lifeguard mentality, if somebody is drowning or you're both in trouble in the water, you save yourself first because if you don't save yourself, you're not going to be able to help the person that's drowning. So yes. when a military veteran comes when a military veteran comes back, they should start thinking about themselves first and when they can write themselves, then they can help their family, I suppose. Yes, exactly. Airplane analogy too. You put your mask on first and then you help those around you. It's it's that's exactly right. Whoa, whoa, Ariana, we don't want to be talking about masks. You're gonna get a whole other oh, yeah, issue. You're right. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Sorry, I brought that up. <laughs> okay, that's that. We're we're talking to Ariana Sirancioni. She's she's a Viet, uh, Vietnam vet. She's an Air Force veteran. I'm getting all the thing kind of kinds of things wrong. I have no thirteen honor in that. Yeah. Thirteen years in the in the Air Force. You know what's interesting, Ariana, is you talk about how Vietnam veterans uh, could come forward here and, you know, hey, we've experienced this Afghanistan Afghanistan veterans see what's happened as we pull out of Afghanistan and wonder what what it was all for. Vietnam veterans have had a long time to process this. It makes me wonder. I should probably ask my dad how he feels about this. He was in the Navy, a Vietnam veteran. So I, it'll be interesting. To, it's going to be a question. I'm going to ask my dad at some point. Uh, but I think the Vietnam veterans have become really probably resourceful now, being able to, they've had to process this for a long time. And now they can see, hey, you know what, veterans, they almost, I guess, you know what, if you're a Vietnam veteran out there, uh, maybe call the Cooley Recovery Center and, and see if you can help, huh? Yeah, always. Please, you're welcome. You're uh, welcome to the the tactical recovery group. Yeah, you, you talked about that a little bit, but that happens on Monday. You guys actually have a, a meeting, and when you talk about, hey, if I come forward and talk about my problems, I might get reprimanded if I'm still an active duty member or something, uh, or 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 just uh, you know whatever at my work. If I if I come forward with these problems, I might get fired or, or or something. But this Monday tactical recovery meeting is all pretty much anonymous, right? Oh yeah, you don't even have to tell us your real name when you come to the meeting. Uh, we just, we encourage, we want camaraderie. We want a place, a safe place for people to come. Uh, it's a smart recovery group, um, self-management and recovery training. Um, so we do focus on individuals with any type of addictive behavior. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol, for example. Um, and, and, and I want to caveat that we have guys that come to the meeting that don't have any substance problems because they like to be around like-minded people and offer that support and, you know, extending the hand and saying, brother, sister, I got you. Um, and that's what you get when you come to the textbook conference group. All right. And what time does that meeting happen on Mondays? Four to five. Four to five. And, and- we offer hybrid. So if... Um, somebody is still not comfortable going out in public, which, let's be serious, we're talking about the military community, and a lot of our guys don't like to be around crowds or be around people or in places that they're not comfortable. Well, that's why Tactical offers a hybrid format. So uh, we, if you go to Tactical Recovery Group, um, you can look it up on the Facebook page, and there's always a Zoom link so people can come in person or online. All right. Uh, we're talking with Ariana Sirincioni. Um, we're going to continue this conversation, talk about a little bit about what Afghan refugee, uh, not Afghan, the Afghan refugees at Fort McCoy. I think we'll get into that a little bit and then talk about Operation Deal and Deal. But first, I got to take a break. Scott's comment coming up. Brad doing the news. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line or the just text line. I don't want to put Ariana on the phone with some 
some rando caller and she won't know what they're <laughs> talking about. That happens sometimes. Hey, I'll handle it. Yeah, I think you would probably handle you probably handle it better than me. I mean, you've been in uh, you've been active duty for 13 years in the Air Force. <laughs> um, and you said you were in Afghanistan. Did you did you not? Yes, I was. I served in Afghanistan in the end of 2006 into 2007. Okay, is there do you can you do you want to just try to describe what you did and what you saw over there in any way shape or form? Yeah, I can certainly try. Um, at that time, I was a 19-year-old on my first deployment, um, and I was a detainment operations uh, cell guard. I was a, a prison guard for suspected terrorists. Um, worked in, so I worked inside a prison uh, five days a week. Uh, so all kinds of stuff in there. Um, literally. Nope, you're um, not. But I dumped it. It's fine. You had a bleep bleep of a time. <laughs> Something like okay, that. Okay, great. Yes, I had a bleep of a time. <laughs> um, let's see. I I um I was deployed for about nine months with training. I worked at the army. Um, I got to be inside. Um, or, excuse me, provide cell guard duties for medical operations to ensure the safety of all the personnel involved. Um, but primarily I was walking inside a prison every day um, as a 19-year-old. It was very interesting. I would say it was... Um, you can't really prepare somebody for that, what that experience was like, um, walking in the first time and seeing the look in their eyes as they look back at you as a woman. Um, you know, they didn't like it. They didn't like when I would have to give orders or um, tell them how to do certain things, and they let me know that. Um, actually, you know, we're talking about mental health this week. Um, I was in what a therapist would later tell me was an emotionally abusive relationship for nearly nine months every single day. So I'm glad I went to therapy after that I I, I definitely encourage anybody who's having problems um, to speak to therapists. Uh, it really helped me, and it put me on a path that I'm very thankful for. Yeah, because it, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun time. I would say, and we're talking with Ariana Cirincioni. She's uh, a, works at the Cooley Recovery Center as a Veterans Program Coordinator, and they they do have a an event on Saturday from noon uh, until past four. It says noon to four, but the last program begins at. Well, maybe it does begin till maybe it does go till four um, at the Cooley Recovery Center. But I would say, Ariana, thinking a little, little to nothing about this, just listening to you, you were 19 and sent to Afghanistan. You were probably, probably too young to go over and do that. I feel like 19 year old, right, right, uh, out of basic training. You know, maybe, maybe we, maybe we ease people into that a little bit more. I think maybe a, a, an older, more savvy, more veteran vet, I should say. Uh, does some some of that stuff, and uh, I don't know. It just seems like you're too young to do that stuff, to go over there and do that. Well, I mean, I can understand that perspective, but I can tell you wholeheartedly that um, while nothing can prepare you for, like, you mentally what what that experience is like, I felt walking into there very confident and um, very trained, and I knew exactly what I needed to do, and there wasn't a question about that. Um, and I think that that's important because, 
you know, as, as any type of military member, you're trained to do a mission and you know exactly what you need to do. And there's often, yeah, there could be some gray area, but with that position, there was no gray area. You knew, you knew what you needed to do to get the job done, to be safe and to go home. And, um, you know, I had good leadership. So, you know, they don't, they didn't send a little 19 year old girl in there without training and knowing how to handle herself. Um, I was very capable and aware of how to get the job done. Um, but I think it's been when you're not inside that facility or you're not on that convoy anymore and you're sitting back in your, in your tent or bee hut, what I had, you're sitting there, you're going, wow, I just experienced this today. And for some people, maybe they're not reflecting on it and you stay numb the whole time. Um, because when you start thinking about what you're going through, that can be a lot to process. And military... You know, we're trained to act first, think later. We know exactly, like I said, we know we got to do, we get it done. Um, and it's often difficult to then come home after all of that's done because you still have that mentality of act first, think later. Like, shoot now and think about what that means later. You come home and you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and maybe they're moving too slow for you. And maybe they're giving you a response that you think is stupid and you let them know that right away without giving time for yourself to process what that really means. Um, so, you know, we're encouraging individuals to think first and then act um, as opposed to what you're trained to do in the military. So isn't it, that's just one little component and piece there. Um, but, yeah, so I was ready. Yeah, I, yeah, you're you're very nice in defending yourself, and like I said, it was like my three second thought process on what you were explaining to us, and I appreciate <laughs> you you talking about it. Uh, Saturday, no, that one's fun. Saturday, Operation Deal and Heal at the Cooley Recovery Center is is for is this for people that were in Afghanistan who have come back, or is it for any veterans? Who do you want to come on and experience this? It begins at noon. Of course, I want the more the merrier. This is for any veteran of any wartime. Maybe you didn't even experience war, but. You experienced some bad stuff when you were home. Military and family members, um, reserve, guard, all components. So it's past, present uh, individuals to come and have a place that, when they feel safe, because you're in a supportive environment with like-minded people, um, you'll experience camaraderie. And um, I say family members because I don't think our families get enough credit um, because they're, you know, they hold the fort down when our people are gone. And when they come back, you know they've been running. They've been running the show, and then there's a big adjustment. And it's it's hard to navigate that sometimes, or to see your to see your loved one who is suffering from PTSD or you know or anxiety, um, and not know how to address that or a substance use. Maybe they've taken to drinking because often people take to drinking to feel better, and and now they're worried about that. This is a place where you can come. While the discussion is, the, the, excuse me, while the primary focus isn't going to be to have everybody sit around and, and talk about it, um, the primary focus is to come and learn ways to get the information, know that there are options to heal, there are ways to heal, to find comfort even though you're experiencing strong emotions based on what's going on in our climate. Now, it doesn't have to be that. It, again, like if you're still experiencing some stuff that you know, you're taken back from from the wartime, and it maybe isn't necessarily relative to Afghanistan, that's okay, because it's going to be coping skills that you can use on the daily 
um, some really some really fun hands-on stuff that can apply to any situation. Yeah, there is Twister on here. I don't know. Are you gonna? Have, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I will. I will say it starts at noon at the Cooley Recovery Center on Saturday. I will say an hour and ten minutes of either Tai Chi or yoga at two beginning at two o'clock. I don't know how many people. I, I feel like tough guy, army veteran guys aren't going to be doing. Marines aren't going to be doing the Tai Chi or yoga, but maybe. Okay, <laughs> surprised. But also. I'd like to highlight, thank you for bringing that up, if there is a certain component that somebody doesn't want to sit through, they don't have to. We have breakout rooms where then they can go and they can, you know, do one of the activities, the stand ceremony. It's this this wonderful healing uh, exercise where you layer different color stands based on your connection and experience in the military. It's it's a really, really great um, thing that I'm really looking forward to. But, like, yeah, so they don't have to sit in on the yoga or tai chi session if they don't want to. Uh, and they can pick and choose the sessions that they participate in. Yeah, definitely. I will say though, yoga, tai chi, those those things are helpful. It's just, uh, it's just, I think the mentality sometimes is a little different. Uh, we're speaking with Ariana Cirincioni. She's a, a, a an Air Force veteran. She was in it for 13 years. She's the Veterans Program Coordinator at Cooley Recovery Center. Uh, Ari- Ariana, you've asked for it. I'm going to bring Eric on. Eric from Sparta. Eric from Sparta, I believe, is a Vietnam veteran. Um, you didn't serve. I, you, I don't think you saw. You weren't active. You were active, Eric, but you didn't see the war, so to speak, right? I was in Germany. We got bombed over in Frankfurt, so uh, better mine off gang got called over there about a block from where I was at. But anyway, I want to ask your uh, guest today: What rank did she achieve while in the service, uh, officer or enlisted? Okay. Hey there, Eric. Hey there, Eric. Um, I was a staff sergeant. I was an NCO enlisted. Okay. Um, all right. Not the most productive. That's why I don't do it, Eric, Ariana. Um, all right. So the, the, the other thing that we were talking to about before the show is obviously we have about 12,800 uh, Afghanistan refugees at Fort McCoy right now. And you've been talking with veterans who who are uh, you? You must be talking to some of the, the the people at Fort McCoy and just what what are they experiencing? Uh, you know, with all these, you know, an extra twelve thousand eight hundred people in Fort McCoy and in the area. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's not an easy question to answer. I think everybody's going to have their own opinion and perspective on it. But overall, what I've been hearing that it's difficult for our guys to process. Um, you know, they're trained to respond to certain situations and certain people while they're deployed to the Middle East. Um, and when they come home, they want to be in a normal, if you will, um, environment um, where there is no anticipated threat. And now we have, like you said, 1,300 uh, individuals literally in some of our guys' backyard where they wake up, they get up, they're like, okay, what am I going to see today that could possibly trigger me and bring me back um, to a deployed situation? For example, working on an ECP and you see a woman walk up in full dress and you're wondering, does she have a suicide bomb? I'm not sure. And then you're, now you're back to Fort McCoy and you're, you know, you're driving down the street and you see a woman in that full dress. And like, so just that connection and, okay, I'm safe, I'm okay here. Um, this isn't the same environment but my thoughts are automatically going back to safety mode. Uh, and and so that was just one example, all right? Um, but it, it's causing people to be nervous and uncomfortable. Um, we, know, we know that there are good intentions, and we know that um, 
people are mostly good. But we can't sit here and say that out of 1,300 people that they're all good. And our guys know that. Guys and girls know that. And based on, you know, what's already been coming out in the news on the crime that's happening there and women being targeted for sexual assaults and things, um, it's just, it's making people uncomfortable. And that's the truth of it. Yeah, there's probably... Not everyone, but, but yeah. I mean, and then it gets back to, you You know, you talk about there's just the trigger that, that the, so there's probably a mental aspect here when, when veterans come back from Afghanistan that we have to like, I don't decompute some of that stuff somehow. Uh, maybe, maybe the, the military needs to do that better or maybe, you know, and maybe they are doing that. I obviously, I don't know, but then there's also, we, you talk about, we were talking about before, just the, the, the idea that you, you, you that, that it's okay. Like you, you, you have to change the mentality a little bit, and that's probably harder to do than me for me to just say. It's absolutely a difficult process, and there's no one way to go about it. There's no, hey, do this, and you're going to be okay. There's no length of time that somebody could, you know, recover, if you will, or feel different or better or accept that environment. Everybody is different, and... Um, you know, that's just the way that the that the mind works. And based on your comment, yeah, you know, I think from where I was in 2005 joining, so when I got out in 2018, things got better. Uh, the stigma was reducing, and people were more likely to say, hey, I, I need to go to mental health, you know, I need to go talk to therapists, or, yeah, I'm going to therapy today, and it was more acceptable, but not with everybody. And it wasn't like that at every level or within every job, you know, and as a security forces uh, airman, um, uh, Air Force cop, if you will, you know you're you're already short man, and you expect to show up to duty and and um, and just be proficient and do what you got to do. And and when somebody else has to cover for you, even in 2018, it was like, okay, I'm sorry, you know, or people weren't doing it because they knew that they were it was going to be frowned upon. So I'm hoping you know that it just continues to get better and that we are um, debriefing and going through a full or more accurate or more a more stringent reintegration process to ensure that our people, our military members, are taken care of when they transition back from wartime into, you know, normal operations and, and, and being stateside, if you will, or to their home base, um, because it's really important. And when I came back in 2007, it was like a couple days, and I was like, okay, here you go. And no one really talked about the importance of going to therapy, and I think it's one of those things that should be required um, because people need to be able to process. You know, you lose somebody or you experience trauma like that, the high stress of an environment of being deployed, not knowing if you're going to see tomorrow. Um, that's not like you, it's not going to take one briefing for you to adjust. That's not how that's not how we work. That's not how how we operate. We're not robots. Ariana, and like I said, everybody's different. And 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 your your operation deal and heal at the Cooley Recovery Saturday that'll probably open some people's eyes to you. You you'll obviously be able to talk about some of the options people have uh, when they, when yes. they come and hang out for from twelve to four. Yes, there are so many resources that are going to be in one spot, all focused on healing, wellness, coping mechanisms, education, and you can be as participative as you want, or you can sit in the back and not say anything. Like, this is for all, you know, and you can just take in whatever you want, and hopefully you take one little piece and you, you leave with that, and it helps you in some way. 
All right, Ariana Cirincione, active, she was active duty from 05 to 2018 in the Air Force. She's the Veterans Program Coordinator at Cooley Recovery Center. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It was an honor. I hope that somebody heard this and recognizes that it's okay to take the first step in that healing process and just reaches out and talks to somebody. All right, see ya. Thank you, bye. Bye. Um, all right, one more quick break. We'll wrap up when we come back. All right, just going to wrap up here. Thanks again to Ariana Cirincioni at the Cooley Recovery Center. She's the Veterans Program Coordinator. She put together this with uh, one other person, at least one other person at the Recovery Center there on, I think, Ferry Street. Uh, let me see. There is a address. Yeah, 933 Ferry Street. And there's some stories on wisdomnews.com and, and links there if you want to check it out. But it's called Operation Deal and Heal. Uh, begins at noon, goes till 4 p.m. Uh, pretty much, I think she could, I mean, it's it's kind of geared a little bit to what Afghan war veterans are dealing with, but it sounds like anyone that wants to come hang out, uh, experience that is welcome. So noon, Saturday, begins at noon, come anytime between noon and four at the Cooley Recovery Center on Ferry Street. All right, thanks everybody for listening. You know who's coming tomorrow. UW Lacrosse political science professor, Dr. Anthony Tregoski.